What do you wonder? Okay, what do you wonder? <laughs> what? <laughs> That's a big question. Um, I feel like it could go many different directions. I wonder how we deserve God's love or how we can receive that without earning it. I feel like I wonder where life is going often and what it's supposed to look like and um, what following God is going to look like in a few years and what my life is going to look like. I wonder how my friend that sits next to me in chemistry always gets 100% on his test. That's what I wonder because it's impossible. I don't get how he does it. I wonder what the world will look like in five years. Uh, I think about that literally every day. Uh, my wife and I are working hard on some, some ministries right now and just building some really cool things and and uh, we want to just make an impact, you know. That's a really good question. Um, I wonder why the North Pole isn't real. <laughs> because I live in Manitou and I went there and Santa wasn't there. Sleigh bells ring. Are you listening? Come on, Trace. In the lane, snow is glistening. You got it. A beautiful sight. Happy tonight. Walking in a winter wonderland. Wonderland, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Dr. T. I'm the teaching pastor here at Trace. And this morning, I want to start our sermon series called Wonderland. And this really is the most wonderful time of the year, right? We've got all these festive songs uh, that we sing about this time of year. We give each other gifts. It's amazing. As a matter of fact, my wife and I uh, were talking about the gifts that we wanted uh, for Christmas. And she looked at me a couple of days ago and she said, babe, what, what gift do you want for Christmas? And I said, honey... I'm married to you. I have everything I could ever want, right? <laughs> Which is the right answer, in case you didn't know. That's uh, value added today. Uh, no, so I'm like, I want some maybe headphones and some new pair of socks. I'm a sock guy. And I thought of everything on my list. And if I were being honest, I would say if I would get everything on my list, Trace, uh, it would not satisfy my heart's deepest desires. And if you look at your list, right, consider all the things maybe you'd like to receive over the Christmas holiday and things you would like to add to the content of your home. And if you were to reflect on that list and if you were to consider what, what it would be like should you get everything you want for Christmas. And if I were to ask if you got everything, would that satisfy the deepest desires of your heart, you'd say no. And that's a question we all have to come to terms with at some point in our lives. How can we satisfy the deepest desires of our heart? And I, I for, for 12 years, I've been in ministry and in counseling 
And I've worked with thousands and indirectly tens of thousands of people who essentially come to my office or a person's office who does kind of what I do. And they're basically asking the same question. How do I find satisfaction for the deepest desires of my heart? And we struggle with that not because we haven't genuinely looked. We're looking all the time. We look in relationships, we look in our finances, we look in our careers, we look in substances, perhaps to distract us from the pain we experience when finding the satisfaction we seek for our heart's deepest desires just feels out of reach. And a couple of years ago, and I, I think about this a lot, I was reading through a book, this has been about 10 years ago. And the book was published uh, by a theologian who probably like 60 years ago gives a series of lectures on the radio. And the lectures are then transcribed and published in a book. And the book is called Mere Christianity. And the theologian who gave these lectures, his name's Clive Staples Lewis. And in the book Mere Christianity, he talks about this idea. And I think it's one of the best quotes I've ever heard that speaks directly to the challenge we all face at satisfying our heart's deepest longing. Let me give you this quote. The quote is this, if I find myself, if I find in myself a desire which no experience in the world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was designed for another world. Over the Christmas season, we celebrate the birth of Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus came to the earth to live a sinless life, die for our sins so that we could be forgiven, adopt us into the family of God, and make us citizens of his kingdom. And that, Trace Church, is the kingdom for which you have been designed. One of Jesus' followers was a guy named Matthew. And, and Matthew uh, listened to the teachings of Jesus and, and saw the miracles of Jesus. And he recorded all of this uh, content in a letter that we uh, call the Gospel of Matthew. And more than anybody who recorded the story of Jesus, Matthew could clearly see that Jesus was a king and that he was king of a kingdom that we were created to be citizens of. And so in Matthew's gospel, we get all this really incredible teaching about the kingdom, uh, uh, Matthew calls it the kingdom of heaven. And in the kingdom of heaven, we really do find satisfaction for our heart's deepest desire. And so I want to teach you some about that this morning, some about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom for which you've been created. And the first thing I want you to know about the kingdom of heaven is that the, it's the kingdom you were created for, and the kingdom you were created for is both here and it's on its way. It exists right now as a spiritual kingdom, which is wonderful news. It's wonderful news that this kingdom is here right now. 
It's also a physical kingdom in heaven that God is preparing and one day he will send Jesus back to earth so that we can join Jesus in the physical kingdom of heaven. That's wonderful news too. But what's difficult is we're kind of currently caught between those two worlds. And one of the first recorded prayers we have of Jesus, Matthew writes Jesus talking about this. And Jesus had prayed probably a lot before, but this is one of the first prayers we have on record. And in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 10, Jesus prays these words. And Matthew records this. Your kingdom come, says Jesus, your will be done, here's that phrase, on earth as it is in heaven. And there are two times in my life that I really feel like apply to this tension we all feel, kind of living caught between two worlds in a spiritual kingdom that's here, but in a physical kingdom called earth with the physical kingdom of heaven being prepared for us. It's on its, on its way. So one time I was on a mission trip uh, to Kenya. And I love going on missions trips. I love getting to minister to God's people around the world. It, it always scares me a little bit. Uh, if I'm being totally honest, what I'm always a little bit anxious about is the type of diet people have at the countries I go visit. I know that probably sounds self-centered and selfish uh, uh, and, and ridiculous, but it's true. And I feel like I got to be honest with you, church. And you can tell by the look of me, I don't miss many meals. And so when we went to Kenya, I was kind of asking some questions like, what's the diet there? You know, what should I expect? Trying to brace myself. And our hosts were like, uh, it's basically a vegan diet. And my heart sank. But I'm like, Lord, where you lead, I will follow in the name of Jesus, right? So I spent some time in Kenya near the end of our trip. Our host says, we've got a special treat for you guys. We're going to take you to a KFC. And I said, brother, that sounded like you just said you're going to take me to a KFC. And he was like, that's exactly what we're going to do. And I was like, God bless you, sir. And so we, we uh, show up to this KFC. It's in Nairobi, Kenya. And I walk in and I order a family meal deal all for myself. <laughs> Hadn't had meat in, in a week. And I'm like, go big or go bigger, right? So I'm in Kenya. I get the family meal deal. I find myself a secluded place in a corner to eat. I don't want to embarrass myself. And I pull out a piece of chicken and I am getting ready to bite into it. I, I bite into it. And I, I chew a little bit. And I'm like, that's not Kentucky fried chicken. This is Kenyan fried chicken. And there's a big difference. It's more to be experienced than it is to be explained. But that's one of the challenges we face living as a citizen of one kingdom in the domain of another kingdom. Our expectations often don't find their way into reality. Like my expectation to eat Kentucky Fried Chicken in Kenya didn't find its way into reality. Our expectations are often not met. Uh, the other example I want to give to you about the struggle living as a citizen of one kingdom in the domain of another is on a mission trip I went to in India. 
And so we're in India and we're traveling around, going to these remote villages and just sharing the good news of the love of Jesus. And so uh, our host says there is a member of our church that lives in a really remote area, probably eight hours by train from where we're currently staying. We're going to ride a train all night and we'll get there the following morning. And then for this uh, family, their son is having a birthday. They would like for you to pray over their son as a birthday gift. And I was like, I'm totally there. So you get on a train and and we are headed to uh, celebrate this four or five-year-old's birthday. And I thought to myself, I'm familiar with, with a birthday party. Like, I'm going to know what to do and how it's probably going to play out. So I fall asleep on the train. I wake up the next morning, and we walk a few miles to this small remote village. And the homes are made essentially of clay, just mud mixed with water. And the roofs of the homes in this village are made basically of grass. And this family walks out. Um, it's a mom and dad with their four-year-old son. And, and my host said for weeks they've saved up for this special cake. And so they walk out and they're bringing with them this special cake that they've saved up for, uh, for weeks. And it was a cupcake. So here comes this family and they were so excited to see an American citizen in the middle of this remote village. And they asked me to pray over this cupcake and I just start bawling. And that was this moment for me. It was a really powerful, life-changing moment for me. One of those sort of uh, surreal kind of moments. And I think that's the other difficult reality about being caught kind of between two worlds. Not everything that you expect to seem familiar will feel familiar. And there's sort of this unsettling tension that happens when you experience one of those moments. And I think that's a good thing because it helps us realize, like, this is not the world that I was designed for. This is not, it feels, it seems familiar, but it doesn't feel familiar. And I prayed over these guys and I left just, just thinking about how great the love of God was to reach even into a village like this and how powerful the gospel was and how little and weak I am. And I started to think how wonderful the kingdom of God was. But the other truth about the kingdom of God is just like any kingdom, the kingdom of God requires a key. The kingdom you were created for does require a key. And so uh, uh, last week, my wife and I had an experience with this. It's funny how God gives preachers experiences that connect to the sermon he's speaking about. So we get up early. We go uh, exercise before our kids are awake. And we get back. And we don't have, <laughs> this is going to sound crazy to you, but we don't have keys on our keychain that will unlock our door. Uh, because we always use our garage door opener. True story. And so our garage door, you can lock it by flipping a switch on the uh, opener that's connected uh, near our garage door into our home in the garage. And so we get back and I click the garage door button in my truck and nothing happens to the garage door. And I click it again and again and again. And my wife's like, don't you click the button on that garage door opener again. The garage door is locked. We are locked out of our house. 
So we had to go to the front door. Our kids were asleep in the home. They're old enough to be left there for an hour super early in the morning. And so after about 15 minutes of ringing the doorbell every 30 seconds, finally one of our kids uh, gets up and lets us, our most responsible child gets up and lets us in the front door. But, but doors require a key. Kingdoms require a key. And there's a moment in, in Mark's gospel, the story of Jesus, where Jesus is talking with his disciples and he asks them this question, what about you? He says, who do you say that I am? And one of his followers, Simon Peter, answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And a few verses later, after some uh, dialogue, Jesus says to you, I'm going to give the keys to the kingdom of heaven. There's a key, Trace Church, to get into the kingdom of heaven, to become a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus mentions it right here. The key to the kingdom of heaven is faith that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. That's the key. And it's not just the key into the kingdom of heaven. That is the key to life itself. I was doing a, a Google search just to see what would come up, and I asked Google, what is the key of life? And seven billion, with a B, websites came up. Incidentally, one of those was a cannabis store called the Key of Life, uh, probably pretty fitting for the state of Colorado, right? And it, and it reminded me, people will look for the key of life anywhere, in any substance, in anything, to try to satisfy their heart's deepest desires. And we will not find satisfaction for our heart's deepest desires until we take hold of the key that unlocks the kingdom of heaven, which is our faith that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. And everything in life begins to make sense when we use that key to unlock the door and enter into that kingdom and it's, it's a kingdom of wonder. The kingdom you were created for, Trace Church, is a, is a kingdom that's full of wonder. And as I started to think about this kingdom, it occurred to me, I wanna, I wanna look at what the definition of the word wonder actually is. So wonder is a noun. Let me put this up on the screen for you. Wonder is a noun, and it's a feeling of surprise sprinkled or kind of mingled with a little bit of admiration that's caused by something beautiful, unexpected, unfamiliar, or inexplicable. And as I was studying the features of the kingdom of heaven, I thought, man, what a, what a perfect way to define the features of the kingdom of heaven that's both a kingdom we're able to live in now and a kingdom that's on its way. And so I want to share with you, if you're reading Matthew's gospel, the story Matthew wrote about Jesus, you're going to find lots of times Matthew mentions like kingdom of heaven or heaven or king. And I could spend a whole series talking with you about what Matthew has to say of the kingdom of heaven. And I want to I mention a few of those to you this morning, but here's the principle I want you to take away from this discussion. 
that the kingdom of heaven is contrary to the kingdom of earth. And that's the source of the tension we feel with life this side of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is contrary to the kingdom of earth. I don't want you to take from this discussion a list of things you should do different or better or try harder. That's not what the gospel teaches. That's not what we teach here at Trace Church, to live as a better citizen of the kingdom of heaven in the domain of the kingdom of earth. I want you to just realize the kingdom of heaven is contrary to the kingdom of earth. And that's what makes it so wonderful and so beautiful and so inexplicable. And so a few of my favorite passages from this kingdom, I've got this on a chart, have to do with the desire I believe God has given us. And the domain of the kingdom of earth says, hey, here's how you should fulfill this desire of your heart. But the teaching Jesus gave us on the kingdom of heaven says, no, the kingdom of heaven is contrary to the kingdom of earth. That's not how you fulfill that desire of your heart. This is how. For example, one of the things we are looking to do in life is to save our life, to survive, to preserve our life. And in the domain of the kingdom of earth, our culture says, well, you gotta protect it. You gotta fight for your rights. You gotta resist. You gotta conquer. You gotta overcome. But the kingdom of heaven is, is contrary to the kingdom of earth. And Jesus teaches us in the kingdom of heaven, if you want to save your life, you actually lose it. You surrender it. And the kingdom of earth is really consumed with what we're fighting for. The kingdom of heaven is consumed with who we're fighting with. I used to uh, coach youth wrestling in Northeast Louisiana. Uh, first through fifth grade wrestling, one of the funnest things I've ever done in my life. And these kids, when they first step on the mat to wrestle, are, they're terrified because there's a guy standing across from them that wants to beat them. And one of the things I started teaching the elementary students who are on my wrestling team is that, look, it's not about, uh, it's not about the man across from you. That's not the man you want to fight with. It's about the man within you that you want to fight. And you want to conquer your fear and you want to conquer your anxiety and you want to conquer your uncertainty and you want to compete as a better man than you were the last time you competed. And that's what, that's what Jesus is teaching us in Matthew chapter 6, 33. It's, it's not about what you're fighting for. It's who you're fighting against and you're fighting against yourself to not protect your life but to lose it, to surrender it. And when you do, you'll find your satisfaction to save your life is complete. Another desire lots of us have is the desire to be successful, right? And the domain of the kingdom of earth says, get everything, as much as you have, take and keep it for yourself and store it for a rainy day. That's a phrase that lots of us have heard. But the kingdom of heaven is contrary to the kingdom of earth. And the kingdom of heaven says, don't, don't seek after everything. Don't accumulate everything. Instead, seek after one thing. Seek after the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And God will give you everything that you need. But in the domain of the kingdom of earth, we have this scarcity mentality. 
that resources are limited, that time is limited, that energy is limited. And so we got to do it all ourselves and get as much as we can and have it right now. And the kingdom of heaven says, that's exactly the opposite of what you should do. Seek just the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and he'll take care of everything else. I didn't know how to say this simply for a, a chart on a screen, but one of our desires is to get rich. And I think if we asked people, what, where do we find security and, and stability in life? I think people would say, well, by becoming independently wealthy. When I got enough money in the bank to live for the rest of my life without having to work, that's when I'll feel like I've got a, a sense of security and stability. And, and what the domain of the kingdom of earth says is keep it all for yourself. Hoard everything that you can. And as a matter of fact, hoarding is a clinical diagnosis. There's a mental health condition called hoarding. And in the United States alone, between 700,000 and 1.4 million people are hoarders. And why are they doing that? Because they've bought into this idea that material things... Uh, material wealth, riches, are where we find stability and security. And what, what the kingdom of heaven, which is contrary to the kingdom of earth, says is don't keep it all for yourself. Give it away. And in this passage of scripture in Matthew 19, there's a rich person asking Jesus, what do I have to do to enter into the kingdom of heaven? I've kept all the commands. And Jesus teaches him how the kingdom of heaven is contrary to the kingdom of earth by saying, you got to take everything you own and give it all to the poor. The last thing I want to mention, one that maybe connects the most deeply with me and the work that I do with families and the work that I have done in my life over the years is this idea of settling the score. What do we do when someone hurts us? And we use a phrase like settling the score. Another phrase would be finish the unfinished business, right? Say the words that are left unsaid. And what the domain of the kingdom of earth would say about that is, man, if somebody hurts you and, and somebody hates you, you, you hate them right back and you hurt them and you, you get even, you settle the score, you finish the unfinished business, say the words left unsaid. But remember, Trace, the kingdom of heaven is contrary to the kingdom of earth. And the teaching that Jesus gives us on the kingdom of heaven is don't, don't hate people who hate you. Instead, love people who hate you. I was working with uh, a guy many, many years ago who had been really, really hurt by someone. And he was a Christian and he was a leadership level Christian and had some influence. And so I decided to ask him, like, what, what do you think the most powerful symbol of love is in the scriptures? And I thought he was going to say, just because of some of the context of our discussion, uh, when Jesus washes the disciples' feet, right, John 13. And when I asked him the question, he paused and, and he was like, Trent? It's the cross. And, and it occurred to me that's true. And I think that's the most distinguishing feature of the king of the, of the realm or the kingdom of heaven is the cross. And the cross is the greatest symbol of love in history. 
And at the cross, Jesus says, I love you to even people who had hurt him and who hate him. And if I could confess to you this morning, that's probably the thing in my life that I still need the most work on is to, is to love people who have hurt me or, or, or even people who I have felt over the years have hated me. And that's what's really beautiful about this kingdom for which we have really been created, Trace Church, is it's the place where we find the true love that can satisfy the deepest desires of our heart. And this is what so captivated C.S. Lewis in that series of lectures he gave. He, he had found satisfaction for his heart's deepest desire. He had found true love, and he found true love in the king of the kingdom of heaven, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And in the book that I quoted from, he goes on to say that's what his whole life's mission is about. He said, I must keep alive in myself the desire for my true country, which I know I won't find till after death. I must never get snowed or turned aside. I must make it the main object of my life and press on to that other country and help others do the same. And that language at the tail end of that quote inspired me, press on. It made me think about running a race and that's a common metaphor we use to describe life this side of heaven, living as citizens of one kingdom in the domain of another kingdom and wrestling with that tension. And if we're being honest, lots of us in that race have felt beat up and we've been injured and we're hurting. And our task in life is the same. It's to press on. It's to keep heaven in view. It's to continue running our race despite the pain that we feel and to keep the country, the true kingdom for which we've been created as our finish line. And it reminded me of a story that I want to share with you uh, that's always inspired me. In 1992 in Barcelona for the Olympic Games, there's a man named Derek Redmond. And he was expected to medal in his event, the 400-meter race, and potentially even get the gold. So in the semifinals for the 400-meter race in Barcelona in 1992, Derek Redmond takes the blocks on the track. His fellow competitors line up in the lanes next to him and they get set and the gun goes off, pow, and they are running their race. And Derek Redmond gets out to an early lead, goes around the first 100-meter turn. He's on the first straightaway. He gets 50 meters into the first straightaway. And later he would say, it felt like someone had shot me in the back of the leg. He, he grabs his leg, he buckles and falls to the track. And all the other racers pass him by and he's looking around and he's obviously in anguish and, and, and overwhelming pain. And he takes a few deep breaths and he gathers himself and he gets up 
Slowly but surely, he starts limping and hopping and making his way to the finish line. And at that moment in time, he realizes his dreams are just slipping through his fingers. And he decides he's going to finish, but he's just overwhelmed. He's, he's crying. He's, he's in pain. And all of a sudden, he feels someone next to him grab his arm and toss it over their shoulders and help him get to the finish line. And the guy who happened to come alongside him was his dad. And they made it to the finish line and finished the race. I think that's what C.S. Lewis is talking about here. And I think that's what a lot of us feel in life. Man, that we get beat up and injured, and and beaten down. And Trace Church, this is it. It's to continue living as a citizen in the kingdom for which you've been created. And it's to not give up hope that that kingdom is also on its way. And when God gets it just right, he's sending Jesus back to earth to bring you to that kingdom. And one day your faith will be made sight. So do not give up, Trace. Keep going. Keep pressing forward. And keep the kingdom for which you've been created in view. And don't give up hope. And I promise if you'll keep pressing on, one one day when it just feels overwhelming, you'll notice that Jesus comes alongside you, tosses your arm around his shoulders, and helps you keep pressing forward. Let's pray. Precious Heavenly Father, we're just so thankful to know that in moments we feel like the deepest desires of our heart can't get satisfied with anything here on earth. It's because you have created us to be citizens of another kingdom, of another world, a wonderful world that's contrary to the kingdom of earth and is the place our heart's deepest desires find their satisfaction. I know that in this auditorium and listening online, there's a lot of people who are continuing to press on, continuing to move forward despite pain in agony and hardship. And I'm just asking today that they would sense your presence next to them and and you pulling their arm over your shoulder and you helping them along the way. We love you. We thank you so much for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.